All right, welcome back to Inside Flicks. This is our weekly audio podcast. Although we haven't done a audio podcast for you know for at least maybe three weeks, uh, we've been busy. Um, I'm my name is Mike, and I'm here like always with my two brothers, Richard and Raymond. Say hello, fellas. Hey, 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 brother. <laughs> and so this is a podcast where we kind of discuss about movies and television and general pop culture stuff. And so with this episode, we want to talk about maybe some of the things we saw in October. You know, we didn't really get a chance to talk about Halloween and some of the kind of the horror movies we saw. So maybe we'll talk about mm. some of the recent horror movies we saw. But let's talk about some of the movie news. Uh, and Rich, I think you had a, a, a item that you wanted to talk about. Okay. Um, well, the the biggest news to me this, um, this, this past couple of days was... Sean Levy is developing a Star Wars movie. Um, I just wanted to get um, Raymond's feedback on that because Sean Levy, to me, is a real hit and miss guy. But is he just as is he just as bad as J.J. Abrams? I mean, um, I'll, I'll, I want you your just feedback as bad? On, on. Well, yeah, yeah. I mean, uh, uh, it, his his outputs. I mean, it's it's either decent or you know or 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 sometimes good. Of course, Stranger Things. I'd ra- much rather have him do. Um, the uh, the uh, the the brothers do of uh, Stranger Things brothers do develop a Star Wars film, but Sean Levy himself, um, you know, the, the, if it's a Star <laughs> Wars movie, it's most likely a tr- another trilogy. Raymond, but let's hear your thoughts. Well, I'm not really a Sean Levy fan like at all. Um, so uh, yeah, that's not, that's something that doesn't get me excited. Um, uh, that. that it's not something I would look forward to. Is, is, it con- is this a confirmed like movie, or this is one of those things that where they just throw out there and see if fans bite, or, you know, or like they create a yeah, buzz I mean, online? Because I think usually it is. they announce these th- these things and they don't come to fruition. Yeah, I think it is. It's uh, because uh, another name that got uh, thrown out um, kind of recently also was Damon Lindelof's version. Mm-hmm. Now. Um, both of these guys are are not a great pick for Star Wars to me, anyway. And both of them got uh, shoddy records. I mean, uh, um, but uh, well, Sean, and, and also Sean Levy's supposed to be doing the Deadpool three right now, right? Yeah, yeah I mean, and, Sean uh, Levy is an established filmmaker in Hollywood, right? He is a producer, mm-hmm. but he's mostly known for his comedy stuff. And right when he does like say something, what was that Netflix movie that came out with Ryan Reynolds? Um, Adam project. That was Adam project. Yeah. yeah. That was like a so, so movie. And that was him trying to do a kind of epic science fiction action adventure. And right. it, it didn't really turn out to be that great. For, at least in my eyes, that really turned out to be that great of a movie. So it was him, just okay for a kid's movie though. But he is a safe choice for a studio, you know, like, yeah, you know, he is because he has a, a, a record of doing uh, special effects and, you know, he has like a, a lot of films under his belt. He is someone who studios like to give these projects to, even though yeah, it's like the, it's like the other rumor that's going around that um, the, the Top Gun Maverick director, I forget his name. Joseph, he's going to Joseph, be doing Joseph. Yeah, whatever. Yeah, yeah. Okay. The, the yeah the the rumor that is that that he's going to be doing the the Superman movie. Um, oh, and yeah, that seems like a that seems like a studio thing, right? That seems like yeah, of course they would pick him. Well, Andy, well, isn't Andy Machete Machete the guy from who did it and who's now doing Flash? Isn't he's there were some reports that he might be doing Justice League too. 
Yeah, yeah, but yeah we'll, the, we'll we'll bring uh, DC um, later on. But right now we're okay. on Star Wars, and, and oh, Star Wars. I want to I want to go ahead and bring up that Andor is such a fantastic show. It's oh, a fantastic. I haven't started it yet. Oh, yeah, yeah, I know. It, it, it's only got two episodes left. I think it is, and so far it's so thrilling. I mean, it's well, the last episode it's just getting better and better. Yeah, and uh, I I really I, I really like the approach that Tony Gilroy's Tony Gilroy has taken this one, and it's so. It's so adult Star Wars compared to all the stuff that we've been seeing. And I, I really was hoping that they would take it more in this direction. But with Sean Levy and Damon Lindelof, uh, the, well, it's obviously a step back. Well, let me ask you this. Because Andor is not doing that well in the ratings, do you think that maybe has given some of the executives that who's handling Star Wars like a pause? Maybe they don't want to do that adult stuff. Maybe they want to do kind of high action adventure something like sean levy does you know those type of movies yeah, I, I, I know it's sad to say that that's most likely true because although andor it i think this andor has got the best shot to actually get you know uh awards uh, actual award worthy um uh, well um, mandalorian uh, nominations Mandal- mandalorian yeah, but I'm talking, that, that's mostly sci-fi uh, special effects i'm yeah. talking about acting and writing okay uh, or in directing. Uh, yeah. I think that the directing and, was yeah. pretty good too. Yeah. I mean, I think uh Toby Hayes, is that his name? Who did the the that uh that Black Mirror Mirror episode where the start the Star Trek one that was inspired mm-hmm. by Star Trek. He does a lot of the sh- the uh, he directs a lot of the episodes for Andor, especially mm-hmm. directed the last one, the one with a- a- Andy Serkis. And mm-hmm. so these are prestigious stuff. I mean, it is a like Star Wars, a prestigious prestigious drama, you know. And it's slow. It's building's very slow. And I think sure, but I find it so frustrating because there are people out there who have been built their whole kind of YouTube careers like shitty on Star Wars. Well, it's because Kathleen Kennedy and all yeah, and all that you know. There's a ton of people who kind of shit on Kathleen Kennedy on all you know. And so now, finally, here's a kind of a great show Mm -hmm. that they should be celebrating. But they're they I find that they're also shitting on this show too. Yeah, did you find that yeah. a little bit weird that they're they're doing that? Well, I, it's definitely weird because they 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 started off. I mean, shitting on it just from the big, the first trailers and stuff like that, right? And and to to put the put it off so bluntly, um, uh, is it's just. It's just idiotic, like most of them. <laughs> the, the, I mean, it's it was it's, like it's, it's like their, it's it has become their brand to shit on these yeah. things, and now now that yeah. the, the, the Andor is a good show. They can't like go look past that and really kind of celebrate something that's actually pretty decent. And like, I'm yeah. not, I'm not a big fan of the Mandalorian. I'm not a, definitely wasn't a fan of Obi Wan Kenobi miniseries, and you know the the other ones. You know, just basically everything that you know Lucasfilm, Disney Lucasfilms have put out. They're they're they've been pretty, it's been pretty bad. But Andor is a yeah, pr- but every, pretty decent, uh, decent and and great. All those all show. those shows before they they they've had some good elements in it, but overall, by the end of it, it was like, oh my god, uh, what another waste of time! I mean, it was it was just so. I mean, it was just another, um, uh, you know, getting worse by the moment kind of thing situations. Well, uh, yeah, though I mean, the, the only reason why I haven't even like started Andor is because like you know Boba Fett and like yeah, like, you know these and uh, what was the other one? Uh, Obi Wan. You know these shows are just so terrible that I was just like I don't. I mean, they kind of just killed Star Wars for me. You know what I mean? Even though 
I, I know if you really like try to look at those shows, there there are I guess somewhat redeeming. I can't I can't even look at it that way. It ruined Star Wars. <laughs> well, it, it 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 ruined Robert Rodriguez to me for me, <laughs> and also um, uh, the uh, uh, what's her name, the director of uh, the Obi Wan series. The uh, oh, I can't, yeah, Deborah yeah. Deborah Chow. Yeah, who who started off uh, in on doing some great directing on the Mandal- Mandalorian series. Mm-hmm. But then she lost all my respect on Obi Wan. I mean, it's just like well, it's it was, just like what's in it? It was written by Joby Harold, I think. One, mm-hmm. You know, who's like one of the hackiest writers right now, who's been working with Zack Snyder, and then not just Zack Snyder stuff, but like a lot of like big uh, properties. And mm-hmm. somehow this guy, this kid, is working on these shows because he's able to talk corporate speak. He's able to sell himself. And he, oh, I, is this the uh, Army of Thieves guy? Yeah. Yeah, he's the army yeah. of these guy, and he's like. Hey, I remember you complaining about this guy before. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I got I got to think about it. No, but it's and I, you know what? He's he's an example of what I think was bad about Hollywood. They 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 hire these certain people who are able to work in a corporate system, and they climb up the ranks. You could say the same thing about the showrunner for She Hulk. You know, mm-hmm. there's oh, a there's you know, you know there's a person who's able to really speak this corporate speak can talk to these executives in a way that they, you know, they, they feel comfortable with them, with them. And so they're, you know, they're able to succeed. So, you know, in a way that's a skill, but mm-hmm. it doesn't necessarily make good entertainment for, you know, people. No, and, and no I, that, 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 that's a skill to just get your foot in the door, but you got to establish yourself once you're in it. And um, they just don't, they just the, keep on. But the thing is, they just a lot of these projects make money, even though it's a piece of shit, you know? Yeah. And yeah, so, no, so I mean, it's, they, it's they hard to tell that. what, what is right and what is wrong when you're, when you're, when, when you're dealing with, you know, these kind of mediocre talent and, yeah. You know, like, I don't know. I mean, like, like Tony Gilroy, who's the is a showrunner of, of uh, Andor. He, here's a guy who's been in the business for a very long time. And, you know, he, I doubt that he was the first person they, they would w- want to do a, sh- a show. You know, they'd rather give it to someone like Joby Harold or, you know, or whoever, you know. Well, Andor is definitely not a show that, that they're going to uh, produce a bunch of statues or whatever. Or toys, they're, yeah, yeah. Yeah, they're, there's, there's no toy lines involved with this with this show. Yeah. And, uh, well, they'll try, but they won't. <laughs> I mean, it, 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 they won't uh, sell like the, like the, um, like, the solo toys, they'll just stay in the shelves. <laughs> I don't know about that, but. Um, let me ask you this, Rich. Uh, Rose Tico. Let me, let me. <laughs> <laughs> Let me ask you this, Rich. The uh, the fact that Andor, you know, and I say that it's not doing that well in the ratings, and we don't really know because we don't have the the record. They, they don't really put out the the numbers for the show, so uh, we don't really know. But we just have a sense that because no one's really, you know, no one's like generating a buzz online for the show. But I think it, you know, after a couple of years, I think people are going to eventually catch on. Do you think some some of the people who have, like like say someone like Raymond who hasn't seen the show will eventually kind of watch the show and get like a new life? Uh, I don't think it's going to take it that long. I think it's just once they start, they'll 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 get into it. I think uh, it just came out in the wrong time because it went up against Game of Thrones prequel and also, well, let's just let's just say the Rings of Power, <laughs> um, uh, which had so much, you know. Um, even though Rings of Power, you know, wasn't that great, um, it had so much um, a buzz, yeah, a buzz going, and it, it just overshadowed uh, Andor. They both overshadowed Andor, and and um, and once I, uh, I, I also I, I I watched uh, like the first like 
two episodes, I think like three episodes of Rings of Power, and that also like ruined TV for me. I was like, I don't <laughs> want to watch TV anymore. <laughs> yeah. Uh, Rich, you uh, finished Rings of Power? Did oh, you? yeah. Yeah, I did. <laughs> did you like the, the first season? Uh, it was just like uh, just like any Star Wars series. It was it was going it was getting it was it started off bad, and it started um uh, and then it started getting better and better and better and better. And by the last episode, they shit the bed. Okay. Uh, they they totally shit the bed. And, uh, and now I'm not even. I don't care how uh, you know it. It takes two years or whatever to to, to, to do the season two. I, yeah, uh, I'm not looking forward to it. it, it they already, you know, they they uh, they went with a total, you know, wrong direction to me. And, oh, um, wow, really? That the the ending of the that's like a great show. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Uh, uh, so what, I, I mean, what was, I, I, if, 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 yeah, if, if it's still around, I'll, I'll try watching it again. But uh, it just, you know. Well, they say they say House of the Dragon season two is gonna not gonna come. Uh, they're not gonna air that until. 2024. I mean, it's going to take a couple of years before they, they, yeah, but unlike the rings of power, this is one's definitely going to be worth the wait. I mean, this, mm. I can't wait till, I mean, um, your, that ending was fantastic. And, um, house of drag house of the dragon. Right. Right. And I, I that's, that's a, that's a series that I wish was going to uh, show up, but I don't, again, that's a, that's a, that's a show that's so good. I want them to take their time with it. Um, as uh, you know, as well. I mean, uh, right, right. I don't want them. Uh, I don't. I don't want them to, to, to rush again. Shit, the bed. Yeah. Rush the writing for the shows. I mean, the, House of Dragon, totally different animal. Here's a show that kind of takes leaps of time. I mean, literally, we, I think it's uh, it's it goes from over. I mean, it spans over maybe twenty years in the first season, and I don't know what they're going to do in in, in season two. Are they going to do that kind of time jump again? But uh, yeah, oh, I was I, I was, so, I was very yeah. pleased with season for the first season of House of Dragon too, and yeah, the finale. I was very surprised by it. Yeah, definitely. Uh, Raymond, have you seen any kind of recent TV shows, or are you just totally kind of uh, just watching movies now? I've mostly just been watching movies. The, the last show I watched was uh, the the Dahmer series, Monster. Oh. Yeah, that's the only show I watched. Well, the the, the mm-hmm. Do- yeah, the Jeffrey Dahmer series for Netflix that was a huge hit for them. That's a Ryan yeah. Murphy produced show. Uh, I saw the first episode, and yeah, it's, right. it, I didn't realize about you know Jeffrey Dahmer's uh, how he targeted certain minorities. <laughs> you know, I didn't realize <laughs> there was that kind of component in his his story. Uh, but I didn't go back, be- and the only reason I didn't go back because I knew it was like a. Wasn't it like twelve episode commitment? It's like, was it twelve episodes um, or ten? I think it was ten. Okay, so yeah, it, yeah, it was a long commitment. I go, I don't know if I could take that long. I mean, there were so many shows at that, you know, around the same time. Which no, I, think, I know, which I know. I, which I, I'm, and I also remember while watching, I was like, how are how are they going to like stretch this storyline to like uh, ten episodes? But um. Uh, I, and I and I thought like I I would have probably like quit at a certain point. Mm-hmm. I, I thought the show just got super interesting in the second half because in the second half it was like kind of like a more from like the perspective of like the victims and also there was like one another episode that was like from all, all from like the perspective of, of his father mm-hmm. and um and then uh, it, it it was just, uh, there was even like an episode that kind of that dealt with like the impact that he had on other people and like in one of the other episode that same episode also dealt with like uh with uh, John Wayne Gacy and how 
how oh, wow really a bunch of how how a bunch of these like kind of like weird kind of like serial killers were like appearing around the same time mm. and uh yeah i i i thought the uh I th- yeah i thought it just somehow managed to get even more interesting in the second half because in the in the first half um it, it felt like um felt pre- pretty stretched you know because it was just like kind of seeing him do these like drawn out um murders and stuff yeah yeah it's like almost a typical true crime series dramatizing kind of the, the trauma around that stuff and but yeah that's interesting maybe uh, maybe i'll go back and, and finish the series it, it was you know it's a, it is a, a fascinating performance by the the one guy um uh what's his name um who is yeah uh, quicksilver uh, yeah quicksilver uh, evan peters uh, yeah, yes evan peters evan peters yeah, yeah, and, uh, also, ralph boner uh, yeah. <laughs> and and I also want to uh, check it out because Richard Jenkins and I'm a big fan of Richard Jenkins ever since um, uh, ever since that uh, uh, other f- film that uh, what was the uh, one with, um, yeah the visitor yeah exactly oh, that's what oh. it was and this is probably his best performance since that um, it, like especially like once once you get to his like once he gets his own episode oh wow okay so yeah yeah he plays the father of Jeffrey Dahmer. Mm-hmm. Though, uh, though I will say though about about the show since we're, since I'm talking about it, um, it does like um, it does do some like pretty like strange things like uh, it, it goes to like some weird territories and trying to like um, and trying to make you like sympathize with um, Jeffrey Dahmer, which is very strange. Mm-hmm. They they kind of make they they make they make some stuff up. They make some stuff up, like uh, like the, he. There, there's a sequence and there's a scene in the movie or in, in the series where like he is going to like goes to like the morning of one of his victims and he he's about to donate money. And he feels so much guilt that he like ends up running away and that 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 was like a complete like fabrication and they do a lot of stuff like that and I I don't know I think that's kind of you know weird but yeah but. but <laughs> But you know, I don't know. That's kind of what these things, these shows do, right? <laughs> but I, ju- I just had to, you know, point that out. <laughs> okay, so it's not a perfect show. You're saying? No, not at all. But, but uh, yeah, I, I was so shocked at how well that that show did for Netflix. I mean, I, th- I think it broke records. Yeah, and and it just goes to show uh, Rich Rich's point about Andor. You know, he, the Andor came out around the same time, and mm-hmm. it just kind of got buried with a lot of these kind of new shows that came out that time. Um, you know, let me quickly just talk about Reservation Dogs because this is one of my favorite comedies. And I haven't even seen the new season. Oh, I think I saw like maybe the first episode of the new season, but you guys watched it? Yes, I I I, I finished season two, which is I, I think it ended like what a month ago, maybe mm-hmm. a little bit more than that. And it's such a it's such a brilliant show, and I. Didn't think that at first. So you know, uh, uh, the first two episodes. No, yeah. The first yeah, two episodes. Of, the first two episodes of season two made me thought, oh my god, they lost. They it. lost it. Yeah, <laughs> because I was such a big fan of season one, and in the first two episodes of season two, I'm like, oh, they just totally bought into their hype and they they lost it. They totally lost it, and then they picked up on season or episode three. And yeah, four and, and five, and, and then they got eventually got. I mean, it's just one of the best show comedy shows of of. Of right now, I mean, I think it's a, just a brilliant, brilliant piece of comedy. It, 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 maybe comedy is not the right word. It, it's it, it's a mixture of comedies, a mixture of kind of of drama, and and you know, it has that kind of uh, 
indigenous kind of supernatural elements in the in the show. You know, it's a I think it's a, one of the, the most best shows I've I've seen uh, this year. Yeah, and 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 such the best cameos because uh, that the the first episode that well the third episode that um that we t- we were talking about uh, uh Nathan Apaca- Apodaca um makes a uh, makes a, a uh, you know, a strong cameo for on that show. Yeah, he be, also he's best, because he's best, he, he becomes almost he's a, best known as as the uh, TikTok star, or um, was it TikTok or, or yeah, it was TikTok. Or, uh, yeah, okay. What was his name yeah. though? That was, um, Uncle Charlie is his name on the show, um, but his his TikTok name is like something dog. Oh, uh, dog face, dog face. He's the one who yeah. he, who's he's writing the with Max song. Yeah, yeah, he's writing the oh. writing the scooter or the skateboard. The, yeah, ocean that. spray, ocean spray. <laughs> So I didn't realize that that guy was a, a Native American man, and so, mm-hmm. uh, and if you don't know this, you know what the the series is about. Reservation Dogs is, takes place in this uh, Native American um, community in Oklahoma, and it kind of focuses on a group of kids who are somewhat somewhat delinquent, and they have these kind of uh, dreams of moving to California because they're tired of Oklahoma. They're in this dead t- town. And um, yeah, uh, uncle. His name was Uncle Charlie. Mm-hmm. Yeah, this guy's. It's like a natural, a natural actor. And you, it, it's funny because if you hear this, like, oh, they they added some TikTok star to a cast, and like, <laughs> oh, that's the stupidest idea, but it makes that's perfect desperate. sense. Yeah, yeah, well, it makes perfect sense, and also he's such a great addition to it to this season. And I think what uh, Star Starlin Harjo, who is the co-creator of the show, he co-created the show with uh, Taika Waititi. And what's so great about him? He's like he's able to pick these kind of right characters who feel very real, yet they're also very they're they're, they're comedic in a way, but they're not making fun of them in a sense. They're kind of just brings these colors and these flavors to a, a, a show that has a distinct style. And it, it really, I think it's one of the kind of the best shows or the best show of the, of the year. Uh, I, I was, yeah. I'm just a big fan of it. Yeah. And surprisingly, uh, cheese is starting to become my favorite. <laughs> the, the, the kid, the young kid. Yeah. yeah cheese. <laughs> yeah. I mean, the, the whole cast is great. I mean, the, you know, these are, Native American actors who they're, they're basically no nobody you know basically uh, up and comers they, they this is mm-hmm. the, their biggest thing they ever did and there's a natural thing about them they fit right they're funny when they want you know when they need to be funny they're 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 you know genuine when they need to be genuine it's like it's just really great. It's just, and, you know, uh, there's a lot of comedians who kind of guest appear in the show. Bobby Lee shows up. You know, uh, Mark Marin shows up in the show. Uh, Amber, so, Mint, Amber Mint Thunder from Prey. And with, yeah, who, who shows up in a kind of a comic uh, turn here. You know, she's kind of making fun of... Uh, of some someone in the, in the community there, you know, like it's this is I, I think this is great. It's just, I, I I'm a big fan of it, and I'm uh, I would highly recommend watch Reservation Dogs. And I think they just uh, announced that it's getting a third season. Oh yeah, yeah. Which I did not know that it was going to happen because the first two kind of kind of uh, I would say tells a complete story with the with these two seasons. Mm-hmm. Um. Let's get into let's get into what some of some of the uh, recent horror movies we saw. You know, Halloween was like a week ago. 
we saw a couple horror movies. Oh, you mean Halloween Kills? <laughs> uh, yeah, you want to talk really quick about our disappointment of Halloween Kills? I think we <laughs> talked about or really, really. Or Halloween oh, ends. But I think we did talk about that, right? In our last did episode. We? we can talk about it again really quick. Go ahead. I Tragic. think it's a very misunderstood movie, uh, a masterpiece. <laughs> <laughs> Wait, is Halloween? No, I, lo- I like. I re- I really like the movie. I think it's. Um, I, I mostly just like the movie. I understand why people hate it. I really do, and I and I I, I get it. It's just, I don't know. I think a big part of the reason why I liked it is because I just ha- I watched uh, or rewatched Halloween H two O. I just hated it so much this on this re on this rewatch, and I was like. I hope Halloween ends isn't this. I hope they actually do something like fun and inventive that isn't, you know, a complete train wreck like Halloween Resurrection, and you know, it isn't like a, a reality TV show and we have like Busta Rhymes in it, like getting <laughs> in a ninja showdown with like uh, Michael Myers. As long as like it doesn't get that ridiculous and we do something like cool and inventive, then I'm on board. And I ended up really kind of appreciating what they were what he was doing, but. I, I get I I understand why people hate it because I also have a lot of problems with the movie, but fresh. Man, it's it's different. Well, it's we, different for the for, for for the franchise. We did talk about Halloween ends in the last episode. That was that was the last kind of recent movie we saw. And as what, what are you doing? Are you, yeah. are you eating something? No. What is that? It's not me. Oh, okay. <laughs> live. It's live. <laughs> it's live audio, folks. No, but we did talk about okay. Halloween ends, but yeah, it's, it's, that was our kind of really first reactions to the to the to the movie because I think we recorded right after we saw the movie on Peacock, and uh, but I was shocked to see like some people coming out and really kind of play, praising it, like Raymond, and think I blind think, baby, <laughs> and I think I'm, blind. I, I think people, you know, like what's that? What's those guys? Uh, Red Letter Media. Mm-hmm. They did a video about how 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 good it is Halloween ends. Cause they were actually fans of the, of the movie and there but, was, a, but they're fans of horror really. Yeah, no, no, I but mean, they were actually, they pinpointed some things I, I missed about them. Like some of the kind of, you know, it seems like, yeah, it, they, they deep dive, but they deep dive, uh, they, they, uh, for, for no, no reason whatsoever. But they did pin, I mean, pinpoint was, uh, that the, the David Gordon Green did, it, it, there is a deliberate kind of, approach that he went with this movie and but i i yeah i still hate the movie <laughs> still yeah. I, the movie's a piece of shit but i yeah. i think it's gonna i think it's gonna have a second life i think it's gonna become a like a cult classic and maybe a misunderstood classic it the whole thing just makes me um wish that they halloween actually ended on the 2018 halloween i mean yeah it, it should have been halloween, only one movie yeah 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 i mean kills and ends it was just, it, it might as well just been, you know, uh, uh, outtakes or whatever, <laughs> extended cut. Okay, uh, okay. That, that should have been edited down. Well, let's talk about a, a really great movie that shocked the world. Terrifier Terrif- 2? Terrifier 2. We, we all got a chance to see Terrifier 2. And I think what I really love about the movie is not necessarily the movie itself, but really the the reaction to it, the way it was able to uh, become this phenomenon during Halloween, and it really was this little engine that could type of movie. And I, there's something just so so 
earnest and, and, and heart, heartfelt about that. And it makes me think about, you know, some of the 90s films where these little independent movies can make a, a cultural phenomenon. Now, I would say Terrifier 2 is not as big a, of a film that uh, uh, Pulp Fiction was or something like that. But it, it did make a dent. It did make some some kind of... Uh, it's it's I'd say it's very comparable to the dent that the original Hellraiser made. Oh, Hellraiser? Oh, yeah, sure. Yeah, because that was certainly a, a, a cult classic part of the underground indie film. yeah underground horror movement in in the 80s yeah i think it made it up gross in about like 15 or 20 million something like that so i think it's terrible well what's your feeling it's, it's definitely a birth of a, a of a, a new horror iconic character that's for sure this, this this is this is the first like true character uh that'll actually uh Live throughout all Halloweens from from the future. I mean, there's going to be Art the Clowns everywhere and <laughs> for Halloween from for the next thirty years and shit because this because of this thing already is already such a hit. Well, I really, like the just like Hellraiser with that impact, you had pinheads everywhere. You know, following that. What I really liked about the movie is that it is a kind of a splatter horror slasher film, and we don't really get that nowadays. You know, or I don't and know. We, so. It's, horror, it's, wait, wait. Uh, horror, okay. horror, horror, horror has come, you know, like with, with the kind of the rise of the Conjuring films, it has become like some kind of supernatural genre. Horror has turned into like some kind of ghost supernatural. Everyone kind of liked that kind of thing. But I think now uh, there people are looking for different horror type of genres, you know. And so I'm all for if splatter comes back or, you know, cause splatter was a big thing in the, in the late eighties and nineties. And uh, I, I w- would love to see more splatter films. If this, if terrified to open the door for new splatter films, that would be a very good thing for me. Yeah. Th- this film is just so simplistic. I mean, uh, the, 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 the art, the clown himself is just, you know, basically a guy in a costume. That, I mean, uh, a clown costume. Mm-hmm. Um, uh, but it's his characteristic that 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 stands out. Um, he, he that makes him really scary. Um, and also, uh, the I lo- I loved how they brought cosplay into it. And um, <laughs> oh, they kept the Kevin Smith movies guy. <laughs> <laughs> and, um, yeah, it, it was just you know that that's what this this film was. It was just a simplistic film that that actually worked. The only thing that didn't work was the time. It was way too long. Yeah, way too long. Yeah. It was almost two hours and 30 minutes. Two hours and 30 minutes. It just seemed like 30 minutes. (laughs) It was two hours and 18 minutes, but. Oh, wow. Yeah, it seemed longer. Yeah. Yeah, but I mean, I I agree. I mean, the movie definitely could have been shorter. And and you do feel like throughout the whole movie how it could have easily been edited down, like in pretty much every single scene. Mm -hmm. But, um, I don't know. For me, it's because I didn't really like the first Terrifier. Mm-hmm. The first Terrifier for me was very slow and dragged. And that movie was only 90 minutes. This one, you just moved at such a fun pace. <laughs> and like, even though it was like, you know, over two hours, I, I was never bored while watching it. So for me, it's like, well, I mean, at least it wasn't like the first Terrifier, you know? What I mean? So I, I yeah, don't know. I, I, didn't, I, didn't, I didn't mind it. <laughs> so you're saying that they got away with it for you? Yeah, for me, yeah, they 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 pulled it off. But I mean, I do agree though that a you do feel you do see throughout the whole movie, like yeah, they it could have easily been I think maybe twenty to thirty minutes shorter, and it mm-hmm. wouldn't have affected the movie at all. 
I don't even think you would have necessarily even lost any, any gore or anything. It's just their scenes, like no. yeah. just regular scenes, like uh, of, of characters just walking around and talking and stuff that could have easily been trimmed. Just uh, reaction shots and stuff like that. So much, some, so much stuff that could have been trimmed. Yeah. Let me ask you this, Raymond. Um, with the success of Terrifier too, do do you see like a comparison to like say Evil Dead? Or Evil Dead yeah. Two. I mean, something like here. Here's Evil Dead. You know, it yeah, was but a sequel only to a the, smaller film, and now it be, is now becoming like this monster hit, yeah. monster cult hit. Yeah, only only in that regard, not in necessarily like you know, oh, style. What the subject yeah. matter yeah, of yeah, yeah, yeah. of the movie. Yeah, in in the success story. Yeah, uh, absolutely. Because yeah. I mean, uh, Ter- Terrifier was also like you know. It was like a short film and then like an anthology movie. Then, you know, made that a really, really low budget horror film. And then this one was a bit bigger and was crowdfunded and it has been able to build up a fan base to become this, you know, $10 million or I think it made even over $10 million right at the box office. Yeah. It's just, uh, it's you know, just, it becomes, to become this big hit. Yeah. Um, yeah. That's what I really, um, really lo- loved about Terrifier too. It's this, ground or this this ground level grassroots movement to make it into a cult hit i mean it really was and, and there's like, and there's real craftsmanship to the movie it's yeah. not like you know you're watching this like a like a like a vince offer movie <laughs> I, I believe the writer director his name is damien leon or leone leone yes, yes. Like that. <laughs> and uh, he does. He also does the special effects. He does a lot of the, uh, the special st- effects. I think he also does the like music and editing and like a, like a, a bunch of stuff. <laughs> yeah. So this is like a like a you, Rich. You were talking about uh, Robert Rodriguez. He's mm-hmm. here's another kind of type of uh, filmmaker who does everything, and that's what I really love about the movie. Now I have problems with the movie because I you know like I said it was it's a little bit long. It's, yeah, yeah, it. <laughs> Uh, and you know, there's, there's not really much there as a kind of, you know, but I think it's smart and not make it very complicated. It's really just a, it's really kind of like a Halloween. There's a, there's a a killer on the loose and there's, Mm -hmm. you know, a couple kids and, you know, we follow the kids and it's Halloween night or is it Halloween night or just a Halloween party or costume party? Yeah, it was, it's Halloween night. Yeah. Yeah. So, I mean, it's like, this is perfect for Halloween. And it, it was just like a, a really great kind of throwback. And I can make one of these a year. <laughs> I would love to, I would love him to do that. I think that's, that's perfect. And it really shows you that you could do this on your own and make a business and make a hit. And you don't need to go to, let's say Marvel or like, mm-hmm. like he, he here's, you know, like a lot of small mo- movies that come out. It really feels like here's my calling card because I really want to do a superhero movie. And that you don't get that with this movie. This is like a guy who really loves horror movies, and he probably would love to just stay in that genre for the rest of his career. And that's that's I don't what know. I, really... I mean. I'm sure. I'm sure the door opened to him. Like he. I mean, <laughs> I mean, look, look, look at James Gunn. He was a trauma guy, right? True, true that. I, but I, he's the president of DC. <laughs> but you know, listening to some of the interviews with the writer director, it really seems like he was shocked about the success of the movie. And he really yeah. thought that this was supposed to be played for a very unique audience, small audience, but a very distinct, distinct audience. And so he's sh- he's shocked that it actually has grown into this really phenomenon. Uh, I, oh, but I mean, I would I would love it if though I mean if the if the next Terrifier movie 
he's able to just like get funding a lot easier and he's getting able to get like you know bigger bigger stars and stuff i mean that then that'd be kind of cool yeah i would have a bigger production that's the that's that's the hope and and when i and when i and when i say bigger stars i don't necessarily mean you know like a-listers or anything like that i mean like fill it up with like some supporting actors like from good supporting actors and stuff like that yeah yeah all you need that's what that's what i (laughs) in a lot of ways you bring that up. I mean, in a lot of ways, I, that's why. I guess, like, I guess, in the way, like Rob Zombie cast in horror movies, right? You just get a bunch of like horror people and like I, I got a lot of good supporting actors and stuff, right? Yeah, but you bring you bring that up, and I, I that's why I don't want to shit on Chris Stuckman's new film. Uh, what's that called? The, the, I hope it's good. I hope I it's hope good. It's I hope it becomes a hit. Shelby Oaks. Shelby Oaks, because here's a you know you know, and I know it's it's easy to make fun of him because he's this YouTuber, and you know he's certainly a M Night Shyamalan fanatic, and so, so a lot of his movies, his short films are kind of based on that in that you know supernatural stuff. But I you know here's if he's able to like make a hit with his Shelby Oaks movie, which is you know did very well on was it uh, Kickstarter right? It did mm-hmm. a. a yeah. So it made a lot of money. Like it, it, it was a lot of donations, about like over two hundred million, or no, I mean over two million. No, wow, two hundred million, <laughs> two million, two million, hundred thousand. <laughs> no, I think it was over like two million, right? Maybe it was. Yeah. A, I don't know, but it did. It made a lot of money on Kickstarter, and if he was able to, if his if his movie's able to be a good hit movie and make you know, then there's, there's something there. There, there there's like growing. Oh, I have this, like a, this type of like terrifier success. Yeah. I think there's a grow. There's, there's proof here that there's a growing community who are going to watch these movies and support these movies. And I rather ha- see that than like us debate about I think, what superhero I, I think movies coming, likely, coming next, you know? I think more than likely, uh, Chris Duckman's movie Shelby Oaks will probably get released the way that um, uh, what was that movie that? Was, uh, there was a horror movie that came out in theaters just a couple of weeks ago with Fiona Dora. Um, I think it was. I think it would get oh. released like that film. It was. It yeah. was just playing like a very, very like limited theatrical release. Yeah, I mean, look, I mean, Terrifier Two was was initially just like you know a couple uh, I know, limited I know, engagements, it just, and it was it was yeah. distributed by Bloody Disgusting, which is a old school horror website that does like these specialty movies, uh, horror movies, you know, for theaters. It was not supposed to be the sleeper hit that it has become. So mm-hmm. I think I I don't know. I just wish I just hope my hope is that you know there is something there. And then we could have this kind of growing, you know, independent uh, movement because we need a maybe kind of, we need a independent maybe movement. for maybe for Shelby Oaks too, but I think it needs to build some positive buzz first. Oh yeah, yeah. Well, I, I think I think horror is going to be all over the place now because the, uh, this whole year, uh, other than superhero films, it's the only other genre that took off this this whole year. Well, let's talk about Smile because Smile was a huge, huge. Sleeper hit. Massive. It's um, horror film of the year, right? Yeah, and I think it was a first. It was a sleeper the hit. Dethroning uh, Black Phone. Yeah, it, it was first a sleeper hit when the when it came out for the first couple of weeks. Now that it's in the it has, has been a month in theaters, it's now a bona fide blockbuster. I mean, it's making buku money not just domestically but internationally, and we all got a chance to see the movie, mm-hmm. and 
I was very shocked at how slow it is. And I'm like, <laughs> no, and I'm not saying that as a, as a negative. I'm saying, wow, audience really caught on to this movie and it's really this deliberately kind of slow and slow burning. And and, and I really love the second half of the movie. I, the first half I was like, I don't know about this movie. This really feels like a M. Night ripoff or something like that. And it's very the, familiar to a lot of like early 2000s horror films, like um, beginning in the setup. Yeah, you know, it's very much like a psychiatrist, you know, has a client, the client's a little bit crazy, and then she kind of picks up the same kind of phenomenon or whatever. You know, she she believes that she has some hallucinations, and the lead star is, uh, who's the lead star? Uh, Sophie so- Bacon. Sophie Bacon. Sophie Bacon, who is the daughter of Kevin Bacon and uh, Kira Cedric. And she's very good in the movie. She's this is probably her, you know, leading, you know, breakout performance. Uh, really, her kind of first kind of big movie. Although she did a, a couple of TV shows and. Or, and the movie really wouldn't work if her performance didn't work. Yeah, I mean, it was a it's a really great great performance, and and then the second half, you know, it, the second half becomes more psychological, becomes more kind of supernatural, becomes more kind of David Lynchian. And I love all that stuff, and and and, beca- and I, I think at the end when I'm, I'm when I was done watching it, I go, oh, that's kind of like an American version of some kind of Korean horror webcomic, you know? Yeah, yeah. some kind of weird, kind of crazy thing that it really feels like it's it was catching, uh, it was it was like it was doing something a little bit different than you like say. But that's that's kind of like the the second half of it. Yeah, the first yeah. half, to, yeah. To for, the first half to me was kind of like a mixture of um, the ring and uh, it follows. Yeah, 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 yeah. That's and, that's what and, I thought. And uh, and, the, and, I, and I thought you know it, the movie did like a, a kind of like a great job of kind of like blending kind of those both styles. And once it gets to that second half, I thought they it just like it completely earned it because I thought I was I was with you, Mike. Like when I saw this movie, I thought the first half was just really slow, and I didn't think I was going to like the movie. Yeah, me but too. um. But but the thing that really kept me, you know, still engaged with the film and at least, you know, like and thinking like, well, I guess I can I see why critics like this movie is because, you know, uh, so Sosie Bacon's, you know, fantastic in the film. She's carrying the movie. Then once we get to the second half, I was like, no, there, there's more. There's more. There's more here. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, it's a, it becomes a really creepy kind of psychological thing. And yeah, like I said before, it kind of reminded me of some kind of. Korean webcomic, horror web, horror webcomic. Um, but it, it, it also surprised me that because it was so deliberate, so slow, burning, you know, uh, it, it took its time to tell the story. It made me think, okay, audiences are getting a little bit more sophisticated when it comes to the horror. Because I, uh, I don't, I don't, well, I don't well, get well, that. Let me, let me interrupt. Let me interrupt okay. really quick. Because uh, yeah, I did see this in, you know, in theaters and, you know, it, it yeah. Uh, I'm still playing in theaters, right? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Still. Okay, okay, uh, yeah. So, I mean, like people, people, pe- people were like loving this movie because there was like you know jump scares like every every five minutes. Okay, this yeah. was like a jump. This was a jump scare movie, and I and I think a lot of audiences. I mean, that's what they kind of go to the movie theaters for horror films for. Okay, I mean, th- I, there's a lot of different type of horror fans, right? And I think there's some that just go for that kind of jump scare experience. And uh, I think this movie really kind of delivered on that for a lot of uh, audiences. And I think that's why some 
uh, audiences uh, kept returning to the movie. Now let's talk talk a little bit about the the promotion of this movie because this movie kind of started with a viral, you know, pr- campaign. I think they were paying people, or or there was some kind of uh, financial incentive of, yeah. of going to the movie theaters and and recording their reaction with a smile on their face. You know, trying to it becomes part of the the pr- prank culture in TikTok, and I think um, that also helped with the with why this movie became such a, a success. Yeah, it's such a simple simple gimmick mm-hmm. to uh, to use as a promotion, and. Mm-hmm. Um, do you think yeah, more that, movies should that, do that? that I mean, should should more movies? You know, I think they try. I mean, they've been trying it for a long time uh, to do like pranks. But, um, uh, but really, like it's only this movie and Despicable Two or whatever three or whatever it was that, that was very no, successful. No, every, every no, they always do like they uh, they always do a promotional prank um, and they put it out. Um, you know, viral stuff, and they they mm-hmm. hope it launches it but um this uh, this viral campaign just they um instead of just doing one you know location type of prank for it they know they could just do it anywhere and that's what they did well yeah they were en- just- they were engaging with the young audience and young audience usually go to move to the horror genre you know horror movies in theaters you know that it's really dominated by the youth and uh, yeah, and then uh, and then from there, it was basically just having really positive word of mouth. Right? Yeah, I think so. Just be, being able to stick around and and having just the the the, the luck at uh, at Halloween ends ended up being a disappointing disappointment for uh, general horror fans. So. Yeah, yeah, I, 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 I mean, yeah. smile swooped in. <laughs> Yeah, so it's uh, like smile, a, smile and terrifier too. <laughs> yeah, those are two good examples of two. Well, at least how diverse the horror genre is, because you would not compare both of those movies as the same thing. <laughs> you know, Terrifier Two well, is me, much more of a splatter film, and Smile is much more of a psychological thriller or yeah, horror. Really, uh, horror. I, I, I enjoyed I enjoyed the film, but it's not one. It's it wasn't one my favorite uh, horror film this year, but it did have my best uh, the, my favorite cameo by Rob Morgan. <laughs> Because oh that, that cameo and <laughs> that that was the most scariest part in the in the film to me, but his, his part at the end, his reaction to uh, the yeah, his, yes, his reaction. <laughs> he was the guy in prison. With the, yeah, they 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 went to interview interview about the right. about the smile. I, yeah, I don't want to spoil it, but, yeah. but uh, um, in the trailer. Uh, yeah. uh, but I think your the rich your favorite horror movie of this year was. Pearl, right? Wasn't that it? Oh yeah, my favorite to to, <laughs> to delete from my mind. <laughs> Let's talk about it because we also Go saw ahead. Pearl, and this is uh, the you know kind of secret sequel to to X, the Ty West uh, horror film, which now is you know they're making a third film, so it's going to be a mm-hmm. trilogy. Uh, Rich, what's your <laughs> feelings about Pearl? Yeah, uh, you and Martin Scorsese are crazy. <laughs> <laughs> Well, I mean, Scorsese had glowing made a had made a glow, glowing review for the movie, and he kind of said that, that he couldn't sleep after watching the movie. And I, oh, I, I had no problem sleeping whatsoever. <laughs> <laughs> so, what, how far did you uh, got into the movie before you fell asleep? Uh, it, it felt like an hour, uh, um, but it was probably only like uh, 30, 40 minutes. <laughs> well, were you a big fan of X? No, right. Uh, X. I, I watched the whole thing, and uh, um, I I did like it, but it was it was just okay to me. Mm. 
Um, but I, I liked how the seventies look was a lot better to me. Although the, 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 the Pearl, I mean, the, the visually it was, it was like, you know, eye popping. It was, yeah. it was crazy. Like, uh, um, lighting and cinematography. It was, it was very impressive that way. Yeah. I agree. And the score, the score. Uh, Raymond, I think Pearl is one of your favorite horror movies of the year, right? Uh, no, not necessarily. Uh, I liked X more. Uh, I liked a bunch of other horror films that came out this year more. Mm-hmm. But I appreciate Pearl because um, it's 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 really just um, basically like Ty West and, and and Mia Goth just got together and yeah. just like just got just made this like movie, and it. And I think there's merit to the film. I mean. It's it's really a performance piece. Like it's all just like Mia Goth just acting, just acting her ass off, and I think she gives like an an a, a de force. incredible performance. Yeah. yeah, incredible performance. I think it's like one of the best performances of the year. And um, and I mean it's it's an incredibly well made movie, just like X. And uh, he's doing a very kind of different style of film, but it's also kind of um. Very, uh, it's it's also an, an old style uh, of filmmaking like X, but I, I I can't can't quite put my finger on like what type of movie he's doing with this. Yeah, it's definitely like it's like he, it's like a sixties or something movie. Probably even uh, 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 probably even earlier. Uh, it seems like a nineteen thirties, maybe like pre World War Two kind of Wizard, films. Wizard of Oz, Wizard of Oz, yeah, Wizard of Oz. I got a lot of Wizard mm-hmm. of Oz. Uh, it, it although it looks like a techno color fifties movie, you know, because the colors are so bright and in your face. It's a very beautiful looking movie, and I th- I think it's I think it was shot digitally. And so if it was shot, so digitally, it's a very it's a really well crafted movie though. The, oh, whole, yeah, the yeah. whole thing. I mean, yeah, pop, but like, I but like can the hat. <laughs> yeah, but I actually like like Rich. I I think the movie is actually you know kind of boring. Wow, really? But, um, How dare you? Yeah, I thought I this do, movie was better I, than I X. Do, I don't, but but I do think um, you know, I do think it's a good movie. I do think it's good, and mm-hmm. I do think that that the second half, or, or really the third act, is you know fantastic. And by that point, it really becomes like more of a, like a, a slasher film. It becomes the movie that was advertised. Right, right. It's everything, not necessarily everything, everything leading up to that. I would go as far to say it's it's kind of like art house stuff it's kind of like some richard would probably say artsy fartsy stuff <laughs> yeah. and, like, and, yeah. and that that's kind of what it is and that's probably why martin Spacey liked it so much also um, well that's why i like it whole, that's... there's a whole there's a whole dance sequence with like mia goth dancing with a snowman <laughs> and she humps it <laughs> that it was yeah. a snowman too it, it, no well, it was a, snowman. It, it was uh, a uh, scarecrow uh, Scarecrow. Okay, yeah. Scarecrow, yeah. yeah. And the scare, scare and the design bad. of the scarecrow was fantastic because it's a, he is closed. You know, the, the scarecrow has his eyes closed, mm-hmm. and it has the, the bulbous of his eyes, which makes me think that it, it, it psychologically it made me think that it's going to open its eyes pretty soon. So even the hey boy, it's a hey boy, right? <laughs> <laughs> oh yeah, yeah we got we got to talk about where we will talk about. But let's finish the horror. We're still talking about Pearl. Yeah. No, but, uh, there's other things I like about uh, about the movie because I know one of the things that uh, that you liked about X, Mike, was about how the movie kind of uh, had a little bit of commentary about the kind of like 1970s uh, pornography scene, pornography scene, and uh, with the horror scene at the time. And this movie kind of does the same thing, also with comment, uh, briefly commenting on on the the pornography scene of that time, 
And we do know that the next film in this trilogy, Maxine, is going to be set in the 1980s mm-hmm. um, after X. And it's also going to be dealing with the pornography um, in from the 80s and stuff. Uh, so, I mean, uh, there, there, I mean, there is something kind of interesting that, uh, that Ty West is doing here. Yeah. Uh, but I, but I do, I do kind of hope that um, that Maxine is the the best of the three. I hope, I hope Maxine, um, because I, I don't want, because for me, Pearl was a step down from X, and I don't want Maxine to be a step down from Pearl. But the, my fear yeah. that Maxine, which is like you were saying, is set in the eighties, is that going to be just a kind of a, a Boogie Nights kind of ripoff or Boogie Nights knockoff or something like? It feels. Oh, well, it's gonna be a horror film, right? Well, so, that's true. That's true. Is it gonna be? Is it gonna be under the you know? Taking from styles of of eighty slasher films, like you know, I, I sl- thought I thought X had a lot of boogie nights in it, mostly in the characters. Oh yeah, because a lot of the characters kind of rem- remind reminded me of a lot of uh, some of the characters from Boogie Nights a little bit. Yeah, uh, a lot a lot of like in their aspirations and stuff like that, and just yeah. Almost like younger versions of some of the characters that from Boogie Nights. Well, that's why but, I, um, that's why I kind of liked Pearl so much because it didn't feel like. Uh, the the inspirations were not as clear to me as 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 hmm. say something like X, which is clearly was inspired by Texas oh, Chainsaw yeah. Massacre and some of the horror movies of that of the seventies. But it's and, all Ty West. <laughs> and yeah, Ty West is definitely he is a student of of film history, and I like that he's applying that kind of knowledge to his horror movies. And I think Pearl, because it's such a kind of, uh, in a, you know, Pearl, yeah, I, I 100% agree with you. I think Pearl only works because of Mia Goff's performance in the movie. And it really kind also of... the craftsmanship. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And like, and like I said, if this, if this was shot digitally, then it's probably one of the best looking digital movies uh, ever. Uh, I, and someone should hire that cinematographer. I, sh- I should actually look up that person's name. Yeah, so I, I yeah I was really impressed by Pearl, and I I, I think uh, even though I liked a lot of X, I think Pearl just like kind of a different beast, and it just kind of reminded me how great Ty West is. You know, he's he's this really kind of he's not just a horror guy. He does he love he he is a lover of film, you know. And I think a lot of uh, horror guys are just a lover of he horror. He did a western movie, right? He yeah. did a western not long ago. I, uh, I yeah. think that's the only movie of his that I haven't seen. The Valley in the Valley of Death, I think that's that's what it's called. And yeah, he here's a guy who kind of understands westerns too. And that was such a low budget movie, you know, very no, in, sparse, very in the Valley of, of Violence. In the Valley of Violence. In the Valley of Violence, uh, with with John Travolta and and um, who was the other guy? Ethan Hawke. Ethan Hawke. Ethan Hawke with with a dog. <laughs> it was a great yeah. dog movie too. Mm-hmm. Um. Yeah, so I, I Ty West is not just that's why I really kind of uh, uh, have this you know admiration for him because he's he's also a film student and a film historian, and he's not just just you know it'd be it just it'd be too easy just to call him a horror guy. Uh, so um, yeah, I was very impressed by Pearl, and I love the fact that you know it took you know it, it took its time to really tell this story, and then eventually became at the last maybe the last twenty minutes became like a real horror movie. Uh, also, um, like you know, no disrespect to Ty West, but I, I do think you, you, he still is a horror guy. I mean, okay, okay. Yeah. I mean, like, look, I mean, look at look at Wes Craven. I mean, he did a couple of things that weren't horror, but I mean, he was still always a horror guy. I mean, he is branching out, but he's still a horror guy. <laughs> well, let's talk about our last horror movie on this list because we got to go on to Weird Al, or what's the, what's the movie called? Weird, Weird. the Al Yankovic story. 
Just weird. Uh, but, oh, just weird. But but no, but we, it's weird the Al Yankovic story. But yeah. before that, we got to talk about uh, Barbarian. Yeah, let's, let's talk about Bar- HBO Max right now. Barbarian's probably my favorite horror movie of the year. I'm so hey. impressed by it. And I don't know how to talk about it without giving some things away. So I would, I'll just say that it really felt like there's like, I would say there's one part, there's two parts of this movie that felt feel like an anthology film. And it really kind of reminded me just the way it was told because uh, certain parts, I would say the second part is more funny, more darker, more kind of, mm-hmm. now I wouldn't say campy, but just a lot more funnier. And it really felt like an old classic uh uh, Tales from the Crypt type of, or an, or like creep show type of uh, thing where you're getting these kind of two uh, storylines, but it's all connected. And yeah. um, I was really impressed by it. And I was impressed by the first part, which is a very much stylistically different. And uh, yeah, I, I was, I think I, I had a really great time watching this movie. Rich, what I was your... I think you kind of make the argument that there's kind of a third part. It's just the third part is very, very short. Yeah. If, if you yeah. count, if you count the the the, the flashback, I'll the speak, flashback, I'll yeah. 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 And I liked how that was shot too, because it was shot kind of yeah, extra yeah, wide. Yeah, shot, it's shot differently. Yeah. yeah. Uh, Rich, what was your yeah. thoughts on Barbarian? Um. Yeah, like you, this is pro- this is probably one of my favorite ones of the year, the horror films of the year, because it, it's a toss up between this one and Black Phone for me. Hmm. Um. Um, but yeah, I really enjoyed the acting in this, in this, in, in this movie, um, by Georgina Campbell and Bill Skarsgård. And then of course, Justin Long. Mm-hmm. And then, um, uh, another, you know, an, another great performance by Richard Brake. Um, this oh, one, Richard Brake from the, after, gr- after <laughs> the Munsters. Monsters. Yeah. <laughs> <From> <laughs> <Munsters>, yeah. <laughs> this unfortunately is, uh, the, the better film. <laughs> for him that month uh uh but yeah it's it's just uh, uh I, I like you uh i agree with you it's it's one of the best edited films um um uh, in storytelling and that i i really appreciate on it uh, mm-hmm. and um yeah it, it's just one of those films that uh really deserved its its praise it did get, it did get because some it, didn't it get a little bit of backlash? I mean, but I, it was it it it, it was the it was a a film that um uh like start uh that did the jump in horror right away. It was it was the one it was the one that started the the um uh, yeah the, the craze. I mean, it, for, for, it came out for, like for Halloween. because uh, it came out like right. I think it's September, right? It, like it, it right yeah. right yeah. So it, it started it off. I mean, it started off the horror genre. I mean, uh, for the year. This horror, this re- recent horror wave uh, from mm-hmm. from September to October, yeah. uh, and it was it, a surprise. First, it was the first surprise hit of of the fall. Yeah, uh, and it, but I think it had a little bit of a backlash, and I think you know, I, I don't know. I think horror undeservingly. I think undeserving. horror fans nowadays just want kind of really. They don't like th- th- thrillers, <laughs> you know. <laughs> Or they they have something against like thrillers type you know like there there was a little bit of backlash against Black Phone, and I would I would say like Black Phone is not necessarily your typical horror movie. It's not scary in that sense, no. and so it's more of, it's it's like it's almost like a Stephen King type of movie. Oh, it's definitely very much inspired by Stephen King, and uh, but I mean, Barbarian. I would would you agree that it feels kind of like a creep show or it feels like an anthology type? Oh of movie? Yeah. Oh, yeah. yeah, yeah, yeah. I mean, and 
let those naysayers, you know, let them. Let you the know, bodies hit the floor? Bodies, 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 <laughs> yeah. Oh, body. <laughs> that, now, that was a disappointing movie. We'll yeah. talk about that. <laughs> uh, yeah, so we all agree. I mean, I think we all recommend Barbarian. It's a, it's a, mm-hmm. I think, you know, I was, you know, the beginning of the year, I'm like, man, horror movies kind of have a slump. But now, now we're in, uh, in November. Wow. Horror films are coming up and, you know, they're, they're I, making I, a mark. I, 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 I like pretty much every horror film I've seen this year. I have avoided certain ones. Like I haven't seen like Jeepers Creepers Reborn. <laughs> you know, everyone says everyone says that thing is like atrocious. I didn't see the one that just came out. What was it like? Pray for the Devil. That was called. Yeah, uh, yeah, yeah. I didn't. Yeah. I, I didn't see uh, the Invitation. <laughs> certain ones I've avoided because people are saying like they're like really, really, really bad. Yeah. For the most part, like everything I've seen this year, like it's been really good. I think like probably the worst horror films I've seen were probably like um, Scream and um, like Black Phone, and I like both of those movies. <laughs> yeah, this this is the best. This is definitely the best of um, film that Justin Long had in the past decade. That's for sure. Well, he did yeah. appear <laughs> in in Clerks Three. We, <laughs> no, this year he could appeared in Clerks Three. He's oh one. yeah, and the, the following week because Clerks came out a week after Barbarian. Yeah, it's so crazy because I'm like, and and and, Just, and Justin Long, I think is like so damn good in Barbarian. He's it's like one of his best performances. Yes, yes, and I, I think he's giving like the the worst performance of his career in Clerks Three. <laughs> uh, I think it's just a little cameo. Uh, <laughs> yeah, we will maybe you know we'll save Clerks Three for another day. <laughs> we'll talk about that. We'll, we'll save for Clerks Four. <laughs> I'm sure they'll. <laughs> It'll eventually happen. Uh, before we go into Maybe for Mallrats too. <laughs> before we go into a w- weird, the biopic. Um, I think Raymond, you saw a couple of old horror movies. Uh, you saw the Return of the Living Dead on 4K. Oh, oh yeah. Well, I, I had seen the movie uh, before, but um, yeah, I, I, I picked up the 4K Blu-ray um, and uh, I rewatched it. And I, I guess I should say that, like, I've never loved the return of the living dead the way a lot of people do um for me the the humor in it while i get why people like like it it's you know very kind of satirical and goofy mm-hmm. it was always like a little just too on the nose for me <laughs> so i yeah so i don't i don't love this movie as much as some people but what i do love about it is the uh the effects the zombie effects and just um just uh, just uh, just the way that these these zombies were kind of uh, just done because I think I think there's some great like gore in this film. I think there's some there, I think there's some great stuff for horror fans. Mm-hmm. And, and and this movie just looks I thought looked absolutely incredible in 4K, especially when you see the opening credits. You know the opening credit sequence when you had that like melting zombie and stuff that that looked that looked it had never looked this good before. You know I mean this <laughs> this is a fan, this is a fantastic transfer. And I think you guys also picked up the 4K Blu-ray. Well, we saw it. Yeah, we saw the Return of the Living Dead on 4K, and yeah, I agree. It's a nice transfer. It looked pretty good. It's like one of the best things I've seen. I mean, I mean the the version of this movie, the best thing I've seen in, in a while. Uh, you know, because like I think the last time I saw this movie was probably on a DVD, maybe. You know. Oh wow. Yeah. <laughs> I, I, I don't remember. Maybe it's just on TV, probably. Uh, you know. Yeah. The, like you, I I. I I, well, un- unlike you, I liked the movie a lot when I was a kid. I mean, this, Richard had the the poster in his his bedroom. Uh, Great poster. Yeah, it's a fantastic poster, and 
I mean, to me, this is was the the quintessential, the quintessential uh, zombie movie, and um, and when I was watching it again, I just love how everyone everyone was screaming, <laughs> everyone is in pain in this movie. Like when when uh, 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 the two guys who get gassed and you know get who kind of unleashes the, the, the zombies, the opening, the opening. And that's they, actually that's probably my, that, that's my favorite scene in the movie. Yeah, there it's it's the one guy from the Poltergeist and the, and another other dude from you know a lot of eighty eighties movies, and the, and I love I love the little uh, the little commentary they put in or I don't know if it's commentary but the, the little dialogue they put in there of uh, how you know uh, night night is the living dead was actually uh, <laughs> a real, you know, a, based a doc, on a real a documentary event. Yeah, based yeah, on a real yeah, story yeah, and yeah. It, it's a, it's a, I think it's a really kind of fun way to kind of connect this movie to you know the original you know the original zombie classic and uh, it, it's fun and and it's yeah and i think the funniest scene in the in the whole movie yeah i think it's a great yeah. way to i mean it, it has a really fantastic opening you know where they're like we're saying they were talking about nine to eleven dead and then they open the canister and they unleash this gas and like when the rest you know during the rest of the movie they because they basically die, you know, they become zombies themselves. And the whole the whole process of that is that they're screaming in pain, you know, and mm-hmm. everyone is screaming in pain and everyone's just yelling. And I, I just found that so, one, funny and also just kind of uh, just creepy. You know, it, it, there's a certain uh, spookiness to it when, when people just start yelling and crying and in and, and, and pain. And I think this is one of the first movies that introduce brains as, as a, a form of food. Uh, for zombies, I don't think that was a part of the lexicon or the uh, you know the canon of of zombie movies. I think that that that's what specifically was what they brought to the zombie genre. This idea, oh that really? Yeah, I think so. I don't think the it wasn't in Night of the Living Dead. They they didn't just eat brains. They eat you know organs and stuff. So oh, okay. Re- Return of the Living Dead was first. You got talking zombies. Mm-hmm. You had zombies pretty much running around like normal people. I mean, they're not. You know they're not moving slowly, and right, you know, right. They're, they're moving around pretty, pretty fast. And you know they're able to talk. They're able to kind of uh, open doors or at least smash into doors. And yeah, they're 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 talking about brains, and that kind of become that that becomes like part of the idea of of, of zombies. And you know this is written and directed by uh, Dan O'Bannon, who who started his career with John Carpenter in uh Dark Star. They're kind of I think they were like film school or college buddies. Wow. And he Dark Star? And, yeah, Dark Star, that like uh college film that that John Carpenter did, the science fiction. Oh, I one. thought he I thought he wrote Alien. He did. He did wrote Alien. He did he oh, that's okay. his claim to fame and really that's it. I mean, he uh, he he doesn't have that prolific uh career. He I think he did some work on on total recall but i mean it, it, like this is it this is basically his uh, oh yeah he wrote dr- total recall yeah so i mean he, he he did a couple of things but uh yeah aliens is probably the thing that made him his most money uh uh-huh. oh definitely and 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 this is really his only kind of writing directing film I, maybe he directed a couple of movies before but or maybe a movie after, but this is basically the the thing that you could judge him on, and he, you know, he's he was such a, um, unfortunately, he just had like a this kind of small slice of, of of part of film history, and he's kind of just more known for this movie and Alien and uh, really his you know collaboration with John Carpenter. 
Um, and also, I think he originally he was working on Dune with Alejandro Jodorowsky. He was supposed to write that film, I think. Uh, yeah, so I, I really love the movie for what it is, for what Dan, Dan O'Bannon's you know part of it, and and mm-hmm. every, the, you know the character that you got you got a great cast, uh, Clue. Um, what's his last Clue name? Gulliger. Clue Gulliger, Gull- Gulliger who's uh, the father of John Gulliger, <laughs> yes. the great director of uh, uh, Feast. <laughs> mm-hmm. uh, but yeah, Clue is such a you know a veteran character actor. Yeah, I don't know. I I I just when I watch it, I I love the movie. I love I love the fact that it's like kind of have this L.A. punk rock '80s thing, which was you know it's it was part of that movement in the '80s, the L.A. punk mm-hmm. movement. You know, you could put re, Repo Man in, in that same kind of genre. So mm-hmm. uh, I don't know. I, I really love it. Yeah, um, uh, uh, I thought James Karen was awesome. In the, in the film, he's best known for Poltergeist, probably mm-hmm. being the boss, and uh, uh, Don Kalfa as the as the um, as the uh, the guy from the morgue, right, mm-hmm. right. Um, uh, I forgot he was in it, and Miguel, he, <laughs> Miguel uh, Munez from uh, who played Spider in the movie. Mm-hmm. He's the guy from Juana uh, Man. Juana Juana Man. Mm-hmm. Great kind of uh, character. This, is, this was his first movie, right? One of his first movies, yeah. It had to be. He it was like he appeared in a lot of kind of comedies and yeah, yeah. I think he, yeah. According to this, he's in uh, Friday the Thirteenth: A New Beginning. That was right before or the same year. The same mm-hmm. year. As oh right. yeah, yeah. He was a horror guy for a while, I guess. Right, and this, I guess, those were the roles he was landing. <laughs> Yeah, so I mean, I, I there's a lot of things to love about uh, the Return of the Living Dead, which I, I really enjoyed, um, uh, and it's a great transfer, 4K. Um, yeah. All right, let's get to um, unless you want to add something else. Uh, uh, I, mean, I saw the, I saw the re-release of Dawn of the Dead. Um, oh yeah, Dawn of the Dead theaters, and. Um, it was great because I never, I never got to see that movie in theaters. You know, I, I it, it's, it's, it's cool to see it in theaters because you know, the movie doesn't even, ha- <laughs> the movie's not even like you know possible to get on like Blu-ray in, um, in the United States. I feel like imported. <laughs> mm-hmm. Yeah, so, I mean, I have, I have the 4K Blu-ray uh, imported uh, for the second sight edition, the box set imported from a couple of years ago. But it was nice to still go see the movie in theaters, and and the 3D transfer was surprisingly really good and uh i think this is the first time that the 3d transfer was has actually been uh released uh to the public because i because the because i know i know it has actually been out put out on 3d blu-ray in, in a few kind of territories uh overseas and them and it's had a couple screenings um i think at conventions and stuff but i think this is the first time it's really like been put out in theaters and stuff so i mean it's it, it was it's a it's a, it's a it's a moment to celebrate right a re-release of uh of one of the greatest uh zombie movies of all time sure and it was nice to see it was nice to see that the theater was actually fully packed i was actually expecting the movie to you know pop up in the in the top in the top five i mean and then or in the top 10 or in the top five you know for the box office that weekend was um i was also seeing online that uh, other people were saying that it was like you know their theaters are also packed but mm. I don't, I don't know. <laughs> was, was that for Halloween weekend or the, the weekend before Halloween? I think it was for like, I think it's still in theaters. Oh, really? <laughs> in some places. 
Yeah. But when you saw it, it was you saw it right before the weekend uh, before Halloween. Yeah, I think it was like the. Yeah, I think it was like the, the weekend before Halloween. Yeah. Yeah, I mean. That's uh, right. Uh, that, that's that's so cool that they're doing this for for some for some movies and I, you know I, it really feels like theater owners are thinking new ways to put something out because you know it's such a kind of you know there, there's a lack of kind of new films so so they have to come up with some of these new ways to promote or you know new ways to like fill their theaters with movies and yeah to have a 3d kind of version of uh, dawn of the dead why not you know especially if, you know for halloween so that's great. Yeah, and it's nice. It's nice that, you know, the theaters are packed also for it. Yeah. And people, and my, and my, and, you know, at least, you know, based off my screen, it was people of all ages, you know, you definitely saw adults that, you know, you, you know, they were saying even after the movie, like, this is like my, you know, 80th time I've ever seen this movie. <laughs> it's like, you know, there's, there's people, there's people that have seen this movie, you know, uh, so many times, but there was a lot of people there watching it for the first time. There's a lot of young people there. And uh, it was it was it was it was it was nice. Yeah, this this particular year, this hall this year for Halloween felt different than most uh, recent Halloweens. It just it feels it feels like people were ready to celebrate Halloween in a way that they wanted to, you know, enjoy horror movies again and and like get get into the to the to the hol- to the holiday. And I, I don't know, maybe maybe that's just me, but it really felt like people were were more into it this year than than recent years. I think well, so too. Uh, and um, also earlier this year, um, I went to a, a re-release of Jaws, and it would have been fun if they also kind of, kind of like put that back in theaters, also you know for Halloween. Oh yeah, yeah. Because uh, it was because it was it was surprisingly like oh, I like dur- during my screening of Jaws, there was a lot of people there, and um, not as much as there were as there was for Dawn of the Dead. But I I imagine if, if it had come out like for Halloween and stuff, that it would have probably been packed as well as well. Mm-hmm. But you know, before we get into our review of Weird, Weird, the, the highly anticipated one, yeah, Weird, the Al Yankovic story, which was released uh, a week ago on Roku. Uh, let me just really quick talk about Mike Schenk. Uh, Mike mm. Schenk is a, 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 a how would you describe him? He he was like an, a real life person who appeared in a 1999 documentary called American Movie. He passed away last mm. last month in October. He was fifty six, and it was him in in uh, Mark Burchard, who is. Well, when he died, he, he died. He died in uh, October. Yeah. October what day in October? Thirteenth. Wow! Just five days before, like the movie came out on Blu-ray. Oh, did it? I didn't realize. Yeah, they just put out the movie on Blu-ray for the for the first time on October eighteenth. Wow, that's horrible. <laughs> that's a horrible coincidence. <laughs> Yeah. So for those who don't know about American movie, it's a documentary about these filmmaker who was trying to make a horror movie called Coven or he, as he, he, he puts it, it was Coven, but it, as he, he pronounces it's Coven. And uh, it's kind of like a, I would say it's like a darkly comic, but doc, it's a real life portrayal of, of these kind of, filmmakers who are trying to break into the business with their horror movie or trying to get financing for their horror movie. And, and Mark Shank was a, one of the memorable Mike, Mike Shank, Mike Shank. I'm sorry. Mike Shank was one of the memorable characters in, in the, in the documentary. He was the best friend of Mark Borchard, or Borchard, uh, uh, who is the, you know, the, the main, uh, subject matter. 
and they're from- and, and, and and if you're not familiar with the film, you might be familiar with um, their appearances on David Letterman. Yeah, they made uh, they a, a, couple a, a couple appearances afterwards, and uh, they were. I would say they were kind of like the real life uh, Jay and Silent Bob. <laughs> you know? Yeah, yeah, that's true. <laughs> and Mike Shank is kind of like the the Bob character, and he was. Uh, you know, it's unfortunate he passed away, but I mean, I, it. I just hope more people go watch American movie, and if it's available now on Blu-ray, go buy it. it it's really kind of yeah. gives you a, a really great insight of how people thought that they could make films back then it was so accessible it was such it's not it's not like now right i mean i i, I don't I, it's i was thinking about this like i think people are just there's people who are in, who are into movies nowadays they don't believe that they could direct a movie it's just it's totally out of their their range out of their kind of budget out of their kind of purview there's no way they could do it but that wasn't the way that's wasn't how we felt in the 90s because we got stories by Kevin Smith, who was a clerk, you know, Quentin Tarantino, who was a blockbuster, or not blockbuster, but like a video store clerk. You know, you got these stories about how they sold their comic books collection, they made their movies. and uh, Richard Linklater also is one, one of those. Like, yeah, all, you know, Robert Townsend, Robert Townsend famously uh, made his first movie on credit card. Yeah. So there was like a whole, this whole kind of idea that you could make your mov- movie. And nowadays, it's not that way. It's and I think that's why you get these guys who are into com or into uh, films, who just who just their only outlet is to criticize or or to uh, you know bash films in a way, you know, or bash you know mm-hmm. certain genres or you know like like they're, they're it's like that's their only outlet, you know. And before there, it's like if you had a problem with some of the mainstream movies, well, then make your own movie. And it's mm. now it's so it's so out of, you know, it's just it's unfathomable. Now I think I think Mike Shank kind of represents a, a kind of naivete about that, you know, both of the both of the characters in the in the in the, in the documentary. But there was something uh, so earnest and so uh, genuine about them that it made them great comic foils. And um, yeah, I would say it's like the uh, the movie version of of. Um, Spinal Tap, you know, but in it's real like life. A, yeah, it's like it's like a documentary version of The Room. <laughs> yeah, yeah, and it's uh, yeah, exactly. And they're 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 from what's it's, it's, it's like it's like The Room if The Room wasn't boring. <laughs> <laughs> and, and and the fact that they're from Wisconsin, Wisconsin, yeah, yeah, and and they were from uh, you know the small town America, and that they really you know and you know obviously they're. In small town America, there, there's a huge horror, uh, you know, uh, community, and so I don't know. I, I think it was one of my favorite documentaries in the '90s. It's a, such a great kind of uh, um, film that I think everyone should lo- should watch, and, and I think everyone would would love. Um, it's unfortunate Mike Shank has passed away, but I just wanted to uh, bring that out, or uh, you know, say that, say a couple words. Yeah, and before we um, go on to weird, uh, once more, I like to um, do a shout out to um, uh, one of the uh, uh, someone I just found out uh, one of the my favorite uh, Marvel uh, pencilers, Carlos Pacheco. He passed away earlier this this month, and uh, um, yeah, like I said, he was Carlos one of my Pacheco favorite pencilers. Passed away. Yeah, yeah, he just announced oh. that today, and uh, oh well. Nah. Yeah, he, he was uh, always. I always enjoyed his his work. He was yeah. He worked for, Mar- for Marvel in the nineties. 
Mm-hmm. Yeah, I remember his name a lot. Yeah, he was good. He was good. Was he from like Spain? Spain, right, right. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Uh, also, uh, no, November 9th. Not, not to get morbid, <laughs> but you know, <laughs> we're talking about some surprise deaths. I just want to give uh, you know some some thoughts out about Tim Roth and his son. His son passed away. Oh yes, his son passed away at 25, and he was a a, a music uh, pr- pr- uh, musician and and a, a pr- producer. He was trying to trying to make. A, he was you know he was only twenty five years old and he died from a, with a, he died from cancer and so I just want to give a you know give give our thoughts to, to Tim Roth and his family. Yeah. yeah also, speaking terrible. of speaking of comic books, th- there was a really shocking death of of an illustrator, comic book illustrator uh, last last year or last month. I should say. Uh, a guy named uh, uh, Kim Jong Ji. He's a South Korean comic book artist. And he was only 47. He was in France, and he was on his way to New York Comic Con. Uh, he was he's about to go. He was in France. I think he was uh, there to uh, uh, for a signing, and he was going to take a flight to New York. And he uh, had a, a heart attack. And Kim Jong Ji is a f- really f- a phenomenal comic book artist. He's one of these guys who could like just uh, draw on the on, on by memory. If you mm-hmm. see, I only really kind of know him the last maybe three years. He was some guy who I saw videos on him, on him on YouTube, and just the way he was able to um, draw uh, by memory and really didn't need like he didn't need like kind of uh, outlines, you know, like he was able to draw like full on characters and 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 illustrations, and it was just fantastic. And, uh, you know, there was one video I saw him drawing uh, up against uh, Jim Lee. And then Jim Lee's like saying, uh, he's the master. He's the master. I, I can't. Oh, I can't. yes, 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 yes. I remember that. Yeah. So uh, Kim Jung Ji, uh, you know, just uh, shocking. He was only 47. Um, all right. Let's get into Weird, the Al Yankovic. Now that we're all ready for to talk about Weird, Weird Al, let's talk about Weird, the Al Yankovic story. This is the new biopic. Eh, parody, I guess you could say, yeah. uh, that is based on the Weird Al Yankovic's life story. Uh, Rich, tell us about it. Uh, what was? What, did you like it? Um, there was a lot to like about it. Yeah, it's true. Um, uh, it, it had great. It has some good laughs in it. Um, uh, I'll give it that. And uh, uh, Daniel Radcliffe, I think he did a. Even though he looks nothing like Weird Al, <laughs> um, uh, I think he pulled pulled up whatever he could and he pulled it off. Um, a lot of great cameos in it. Um, um, some I really wasn't expecting, and um, uh, other than uh, Daniel Radcliffe, uh, Toby Puss was fantastic. He played his father, mm-hmm. and Julianne Nicholson who played his mother. Uh, they were both in uh, another movie we saw recently, um, Blonde. And one could say that's a parody biopic too. <laughs> <laughs> yes, yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> Uh, but other than that, Rain Wilson was Doctor Demento, and, and that's pretty much it. I mean, oh, Evan Rachel Wood cameos. Oh, yes, yes, yes. Uh, now, yeah, let's go. Evan Rachel Wood, who played Madonna, and um, she did a fantastic job. But uh, unfortunately, it's once they brought her character, they 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 knew they had gold in it. Um, unfortunately, um, her storyline took it off the rails. Yeah, but it's it's not, just, it wasn't her fault, I would say. No, it was not her fault. Yeah. She did a fantastic job portraying Madonna. But ever since uh, ever since she showed up, uh, they, they just used her way too much. And uh, they used that um, 
link between Weird Al uh, and Madonna way too long, and it's it just uh, um, it's well, unfortunate because that, that's unfortunate because it could have just been a good laugh and then move on to something else, but yeah. they didn't. Yeah. Well, the thing is, like the the first like half of the movie, for the most part, maybe a little less than first half of the movie, but a giant portion of the film is still like a biopic of Weird Al's life. It's just certain elements are, you know, exaggerated or parodied and it worked really well. Like the movie almost really kind of felt like a, um, felt like two, like it was doing two things. And uh, it it felt like it was a um, kind of like a satire or parody of those kind of like made for TV um, kind of like 1980s uh, movies that were based on like some type of an event that happened like a, a week or two prior. And they just made a quick movie, you know, just to cash in on it really quick. Felt mm-hmm. like they were a parody of those movies. And I also felt a parody, like a parody, obviously, of these like big kind of studio biopics, like a Bohemian Rhapsody or something like that. Yeah. And when it was doing that, when it was doing that stuff, it worked really, really well. But after a certain point, the movie really starts to go into really like made up, completely absurd, uh, made up territory that, um, I don't know. It just, it, it started doing something else. Mm-hmm. It just became something else. And while it was still, I think while there were still funny scenes in the second half, it just, it, it lost the magic. I think of the first half. Yeah. 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 And, uh, Eric Appel, the director, the writer and director, um, it's, it, it, this is basically his first, uh, feature film. And, um, I think it's a strong, <laughs> although, you know, it, it went off the rails. I think he did a fine job. I mean, it, it just, yeah. it just, um, it, um, uh, yeah, it just needed, it, it, uh, it probably a, a needed little work. Yeah. It needed a different approach. I mean, I think they, they, mm-hmm. they deliberately wanted to make this an exaggerated parody. Well, and, well, the thing is they honestly did the, the, they did the same story that was from the trailer. Yeah. Aaron yeah. Paul trailer. The Aaron Paul trailer. Yeah. And that Aaron Paul trailer, he also had like a, a relationship with like Madonna and yeah. stuff. And it just they just did that exactly. that as a movie. Yeah. yeah. They just and, extended and that. I don't, yeah. I don't know. I don't know if they should have done that. They should I think they should have done more of a walk hard type of thing. Yeah, that, think, the, um, that was the 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 hope, right? I mean the first maybe ten minutes I was like, oh man, this could be the new walk hard. And for the first half. I, I would say, yeah, but once they got into like a little bit more of the exaggerations, I'm like, oh, this is not, this isn't, they're not making fun of biopics. The exa- you know, the like- exaggerations, the exaggerations don't really happen until the second half, right? Because I'm, uh, my minor spoiler, I guess, I think the first exaggeration is that uh, he, Michael Jackson stole beat it from him. Yes, 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 mm. yes. <laughs> and for me, that was already like, uh, that's when the movie starts to go off the rails. Yeah, exactly. That's when I go, oh, uh, this is I, totally, that's, that's, totally like the, that's the middle, right? <laughs> that's the middle though, right? Right. That was like, yeah, I, I, I think they should have kept what the, um, the, the, the VH1 behind the music field and then uh, they went off it. It went that, that, in that direction. Yeah. I mean, what I really loved about Walk Hard was like they, you know, the, the, the makers of that movie uh, understood biopics, musical biopics. They also understood the legends of some of these, you know, music icons. Like uh, they were making fun of, you know, Bob Dylan, Beatles, um, Beach Boys. You know, so they were they were they kind of had a gr- really great knowledge of the, those those stories and also a great knowledge of of those of people making those biopics. 
not and we're weird. The Al Yankovic story is not that. It's just this is kind of more just a, a spoof. This is just more exaggerated satire. This really kind of feels like drunken history, or yeah. you know something like that. Oh, it's funnier or die. Yeah, funnier or die, or or you know yeah like um, Adult Swim type of stuff. This is not necessarily making. This is they're not make, they're not aiming at to make fun of musical biopics, which I which I think they could. I mean, I think some of the recent biopic, musical biopics, like say, Bohemian Rhapsody or or even Rocket Man, they could make you know there's there's great that's a a really great source of of material that you can make fun of you know because I think there's some of those are just a little too exaggerated themselves right, mm-hmm. uh, but I do love you know the performances here Daniel Radcliffe as uh, Weird Weird Al. And uh, Evan, uh, Evan Rachel Wood as Madonna. I think she does a really great job. Uh, those two are fantastic. I just don't know there were enough to me to really kind of love the movie. It's fine. I mean, look, it's a Roku original film. And I think it did did uh, good enough for, for that, you know, to introduce us to – I mean, it made me download Roku app for the, for the yeah. Amazon Fire uh, uh, stick, right? So that's – It's I mean, not bad. It's not bad of an app. Yeah, I think I think it's a uh, you know if that's the win that's I guess that's the win right so it, made, <laughs> it forced me to buy, download the app so the, I mean I did it did its job, mm-hmm. uh, but as a movie itself I think it's it's just an okay movie. Uh, I, I like uh, it no. enough. Yeah, I, I agree. Uh, it, it had the, like I said, it had the good laughs in it in the beginning, and that was that's that's worthy enough to download the app to, and watch <laughs> yeah, it. Yeah, and there and there was still there was still some funny stuff in the second half. Like I thought the. The, the the credits are actually really funny and there's actually a song that also plays during the, the, the closing credits that's mm-hmm. really funny a new original song by weird al mm-hmm. and um i don't know there, there was still stuff in the second half that worked the yeah bi- the, I, biggest, I, the biggest i still recommend it i just wish it was good, what it was better that's all the biggest yeah, me too. the biggest laugh for me was the appearance and i won't say who plays this but the biggest the biggest laugh was me when i saw the appearance of wolfman jack <laughs> And 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 having a a person to play that character, uh, you know, Rolf Jack is kind of the famous record DJ with a a distinct deep voice. I Mm -hmm. thought that was pretty funny. Uh, Like there is funny parts in the movie, and you know, uh, I don't, I don't know. I I, maybe I was wishing that it be more like Walk Hard. I, I I just really. I really love Walk Hard. Well, to be fair, they also don't have the budget. Of yeah, Walk yeah, 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 yeah. It's true. I mean, it's just, the fact this that feels it's, like it, it, it was made for like under five million dollars. Yeah, yeah. I mean, it's better yeah. than uh, say the Munsters, which is probably the same kind of budget. <laughs> right, the Rob yeah. Zombie's Munsters. So. Uh, wh- what's your feelings about uh, Weird Al? I mean, is he his life story? Would that have been you know, like say if they played it straight, would that have been a better movie or would a that been a better mm. approach? Um, no, but I, I would have liked if they had done Weird Al's life, you know, like the first half of the movie, like just like a kind of like walk hard style kind of parody of that. That's kind of what the first half of the movie was. And, yeah. and that, that worked for me, but they didn't stick to that. And they didn't, they never brought up uh, um, UHF, which is probably the best way, I, you know, that you know about uh, Weird Al, other than his songs. Mm-hmm. I mean, yeah, that was, uh, that's you, that's all I'm saying. I mean, if they would have kind of stick to a well, they, normal well, they structure, did a, they did a creative choice to cut his uh, cut the movie short. Mm-hmm. Yes, 
I mean, I, I maybe because they he didn't really have enough. I mean, because it was such a low budget movie, maybe they didn't have enough money to really kind of use some of the source music, you know, because like it's you know they can't use all the music uh, because of you know record deals and negotiations and stuff like that. But I mean, they use enough. I mean, the, there's a good enough amount of music here, and it seems like I guess Weird Al re-recorded some of his songs again for the soundtrack. Um, I mean, I think there could have been like a really great, I mean, like say, take a, take away the wear out stuff. I think there's a, there could be a good movie here about Dr. Demento and, and his kind of, uh, importance in pop culture, because I think, you know, and he's certainly just a kind of a guy from West coast. Maybe, maybe, maybe it's more regional that, you know, because we're from the West coast. I mean, I don't know, Raymond, do you know who Dr. Demento is? Other than uh, just, just. Just his associations with Where Al and all that stuff. Uh, just the associations, like with like the comedy world and stuff. Because a lot of guys, like uh, I guess, like yeah, yeah, like Weird Al and like Patton Oswalt, or and, and I guess like Jack Black and stuff. Are, are you always talk about him, but I don't, I don't, I don't know. I don't no, know the story. I just think, I just think they're. I'm not that familiar with Doctor Demento. I didn't like listen to the radio show. Rich, do you listen to his radio show? At all? No. Is he, is he is he like the Joe Joe Bob Briggs of uh, radio? Yeah, he it was more. He's more like kind of the Ronnie on the Rock, but if Ronnie on the Rock only did spoof songs, <laughs> you know. Okay. No. Yeah, uh, someone who came out late at night and or you know uh, certain uh, times of the week, and then he I think it was on the weekends, or, I guess, and he would uh, play these kind of spoof songs, and and that's you know spoof songs. You know when Where Al came out in the in the eighties was a thing was like a genre that people would do uh there was a lot yeah, of the, kind the of jerky boys that made a career out of it yeah even before i mean that was like in the 90s but even before jerky boys there was a lot of people who we probably don't even know their names like look at all these roaches right <laughs> that song which, oh. you know that was a that, that that came from dr demento you know so you know mm-hmm. uh, you know was i was watching something on vice the other day about um Afro Man is that his name? Afro Man. Oh yeah, Afro Man. Yeah. yeah. Like like so, th- and that that song is you know how like, kooky that song is. Now, if that song came out in in the in the early eighties, that probably would have been a Doctor Demento song, right? So he was kind of this guy who was able to introduce a whole culture, a whole pe- a, a whole generation of people, certainly in the West Coast, uh, of these kind of weird kooky songs. And I think there could be like a a, a, a a movie about that, something like like a like the Howard Stern movie or something, like, you know, like you know, like I think you could go like have a nostalgia piece and and really kind of explore that. I, I would say Doctor Demento needs his own biopic. All right, documentary. <laughs> I would love to see a documentary on him too. Yeah, yeah. All right, before we go, what's your favorite uh, Weird Al uh, song? Mine is uh, "I Lost on Jeopardy." Uh, eat it, eat it. It's good. Yeah. yeah, I like eating. All right. What is that? Just too too normy. Yeah. <laughs> um, I gotta look. I mean, uh, um, it's so weird because he is such a, uh, you know, he started his career as this spoof guy, this parody guy, but in the two thousands, maybe two thousand tens, he became like this tech guy. You know, like like all the tech guys just loved him. Like that's became his. You know, when he re, his resurgence in the in the in the in the two you know two thousand tens, like all the tech guys 
just loved him. And oh, probably because they, oh, well, was, that's you know, the he, song. he got booked. He well, got booked and onto yeah. their uh, um, oh yeah, like on, Facebook, their, <laughs> Facebook yeah, uh, shows, shows, yeah, yeah. Um, but like white, white and nerdy was a big hit, mm-hmm. and that was a big oh, hit yeah. because of all the tech guys in San Francisco and all the tech guys in you know these you know Silicon Valley. They just loved that song, and I just remember because I was you know was going through you know I kind of loosely knew that kind of community by just because of being online. And I just, Raymond, what's your favorite song? Uh, well, you didn't have enough time to think about it. <laughs> uh, I guess I'll probably just go with, with a, another easy one. Uh, Amish Paradise. Maybe. Mm. Yeah. When they brought that up in the movie, I was going, oh, too soon. <laughs> <laughs> this movie was probably made a long time ago. <laughs> yeah, I know. It probably, uh, yeah. They, they, there's a, a lot of people get, I guess, joked about in this movie. <laughs> Rich, what was yours, Rich? Again, what'd you say? Was I lost on Jeopardy. I lost on Jeopardy. I love Rocky Row was a big hit too. Yeah, love, yeah, yeah. I remember those two it was a big, big, big hit. Yeah, and like you know, like a surgeon was also a big music video for MTV. Uh, That's a good video. Yeah. But I mean, eat it. <laughs> I, I love. I remember. I actually remember eat it in in uh, watching on it. Oh yeah, the video. Yeah. yeah, yeah, yeah. I, I mean, that, maybe that's why I picked it. I don't know. Sorry. It's, no, no, it's no, no. That's probably. Yeah. No, I, I like. I lost on Jeopardy more than the original Jeopardy from Greg Kinvan. Whatever. Oh. <laughs> you know his his uh, trapped in the closet one was was pretty good. <laughs> uh, Rich, would you recommend? Oh, this? What was called. Rich, would you recommend where weird the Al Yankovic story? Yeah, I already said so. Okay, so both of you guys will recommend this. I would say you can skip it, but you know, mm. it's not. There's nothing else to watch on. Well, I guess you could watch a lot of. Uh, <laughs> there's no not that much comedies out there. So, yeah, that's yeah, true. That's, the, I mean, that's true. It's free. Just watch yeah. it. <laughs> All right, so that's our thoughts on Weird, the Al Yankovic story is now out now on who uh, Roku, on the Roku app. If you don't have the Roku stick, okay, that's is that it. it? Or, that's or, it. Or, or does Raymond want to um, uh, go ahead and give us a quick review on uh, on the Will Ferrell Ryan Reynolds uh, film that he just saw? Oh, uh, Spirit, Spirit. You just saw this on uh, that sneak peek AMC kind of screening that they. Yeah, the the Regal Mystery oh, Regal. Monday movie, and and I was really hoping that it was going to be The Fableman, and it ended up being Spirited, a movie that I wasn't even planning to watch. Yeah, <laughs> <laughs> uh, and and what sucked was like uh, I I I left so early because like I knew there was going to be a lot of traffic, but like there was like crazy like weather and the like the freeway was shut down. Mm-hmm. There was a free the freeway was shut down because there was like a fatal accident on the on the freeway. I had to like drive down a mountain. <laughs> it took so long mm-hmm. to get there. It was so foggy. I get it missed everywhere. I was like, couldn't see a thing. Risked my life to go see this movie. <laughs> well, you got the, I mean, you got the comic pairing of Ryan Reynolds and Will Ferrell in a musical Christmas comedy, kind of inspired by you know uh, yeah. Christmas uh, Christmas Carol. Christmas Carol, yeah. Um, <laughs> This is this is this it's a is movie. A, it's a movie. It's a movie. I had no intention on watching. I didn't think the trailers for it. Uh, the trailers for it didn't. I didn't think it looked terrible, but they didn't grab me. 
And I was like, I already, I just picked up a bunch of, you know, Christmas classics on 4K Blu-ray. I already have my Christmas movie set. I'm not, I'm not planning on watching Spirited <laughs> on, on, on Apple Plus this Christmas. And uh, I guess I, mean, I was in the theater and I was like, oh, fuck, I'm, I already drove down. <laughs> I guess, I, I guess I'm watching Spirited. And um, I'll say this, like the first half of the movie for me was, was pretty rough. Because it's because there's a lot of music in the movie. Mm-hmm. Yeah. There's a lot of singing. There's a lot of singing, and it was just repetitive, repetitive, repetitive. And I, I was getting very frustrated by the movie. And while um, I, I I was really enjoying Will Ferrell, because the first half of the movie focuses more on, on Will Ferrell, mm. or, or maybe it's I guess it's maybe more the first act. It just felt like an hour to me because of the singing. But uh, like yeah, like I guess like the first act of the movie is all is all with Will Ferrell, and it was it was just kind of un, uh, it was a, it was a tough sit, sit for me because of all the the musical stuff. But um, I, I guess around the time that uh, Will Ferrell and Ryan Reynolds teamed up, and like those characters got together, the story really started to kind of like move forward, and I really did actually end up liking the the story of the movie. My big problem with the movie, um, obviously, and my big problem with the movie was the music, the music with the numbers. It's, it's not that I hate musicals or anything. It's just there was way too many songs in this film. Like, the movie's over two hours, and, it, it, I, like, a lot of it's just musical numbers. Mm. And um, it was just too much for me. But uh, the, other, the other problem I had with the movie is that uh, it is the humor was very hit and miss for me. The only reason that was kind of a bit more... Um, it didn't bother me as much as the musical numbers. It's probably because I guess, you know, this is a kid's movie. And the fact that, you know, at least some of the jokes landed for me was, I guess, enough for me. Because, then, you know, I, I just watched so many family movies and stuff that, you know, don't like none of the jokes land for me. So, I mean, at least some at least some work here. And the chemistry between uh, Will Ferrell and uh, Ryan Reynolds is really good. I was surprised, actually, that uh, they have uh, such great chemistry together. I do have to say, though, something that was... Um, odd to me was that uh ryan reynolds is supposed to be playing this like scrooge character he's supposed to be like the grump mm-hmm. whatever and he i guess he tries to be be that i mean he he's kind of doing a little bit of the type of ryan reynolds uh, that we were, were used to seeing in his early movies like i i the ryan reynolds that you guys really really hate like the, we <laughs> yes, were seeing yeah. like like in, like in Blade and that we would see in like um, Van Wilder and, you know, all those movies and stuff like that, Waiting. He's doing a little bit of that, Ryan Reynolds. He's he's still in the, in the family movie. <laughs> so it, it kind of comes off a little bit like Ryan Reynolds, like in, a, in like The Proposal or in Indefinitely Maybe or something like that. So it's this weird mix where like I can see that he's supposed to be, you know, like this, this Grinch, but... They're making him out to be like like one of the worst of the worst people, and I'm like, I just don't see it. <laughs> well, I don't, I don't know. It, it, it was, it was strange. It was, it was strange to cast Ryan Reynolds in this role, also because he's not that good of a singer either. <laughs> and how about the- he's not? He's not a great. He's not a great singer. He doesn't come off like this, this grump. And how- it's really just because uh, there, there's certain things in the movie that he does. That are kind of despicable that you could kind of say, okay, I could see why, but still, I don't know. I, I think there could have probably been a better actor for the role. Mm-hmm. I think the only reason why you kind of just go with it is because him and Will Ferrell had such great chemistry together. Mm, yeah, that was, uh, I was wondering. It, if but they like, it, it makes together. you, it makes you think, it, it makes you think of Scrooge, right? 
Right. And you think of Bill Bill Murray and Scrooge, and you know Bill Murray's hilarious, but you totally bought Bill Murray as just like grump, you know, right? Yeah. Right. That, I didn't I didn't I didn't buy that with Ryan Reynolds, and the fact that they're making him sing like <laughs> even like his introduction in the movie is like a, a musical number and stuff. I'm like this yeah, this doesn't really work. <laughs> so I don't know. I think they, I think they made him too likable. Yeah. So you're saying Pat, this is a pass. You don't you don't need to watch this movie. Oh, I think this is. I think this is actually this is, the movie is a crowd pleaser. The theater, the audience loved it. It was half oh. packed house. Everyone loved it. It was a lot of families. I think families are going to enjoy this film. It's a. It, I think it's a great update of the Christmas Carol. The story of the movie is really good. The chemistry between the two leads is really good. It's just really for me the musical stuff was you know too much. So if you're if you're not into musicals, it's it's a total skip. So the, yeah, I think this if, is, this is a perfect holiday movie. So if they for they, families. So if they would have uh, took out the musical portion of the movie, would you loved it a lot? Would you love it's not the movie? even take it out? It's not even take it out. It's trim it down. Oh, okay. <laughs> you know what I mean? Okay. It's trim it down. It's just too. It, so you, it, you get drowned in it. Is this a mediocre recommendation for you? I don't know. I would give the movie like a. Early on, I was like, I was, I, I was not liking it at all. Like it was kind of like a C. C minus maybe for me, but I'm as it progressed. I mean, by the end, I I, I really enjoyed it. I enjoyed oh, wow. the characters. Okay, I enjoyed the characters. Uh, there's a little romance in the film between um, Will Ferrell and uh, Octavia Spencer, which I thought was really effective. Oh wow! And um, I, I yeah, I would give it like a C plus. Okay, okay, there you go. That's a that's a decent uh, review of uh, Spirited, which is going to be on. It's now. It's I guess it's playing in uh, select theaters this this weekend, but it's going to yeah, be. But just wait for it to just yeah, wait for it to uh, pop up on Apple Plus on uh, November fifteenth, I believe. Yeah, yeah. Uh, it, it's it's perfect to watch with the families. Uh, one of the things I liked about it is that it is a family film, but it does get a, a little kind of edgy at times, but not too edgy. You know what I mean? It doesn't, mm-hmm. it never gets, you know, in that kind of R rated territory, you know, to piss off, you know, some family members or, you know, <laughs> but it, it is, um, it's still like, I mean, I, I got, I got a fair amount of laughs in oh, the wow. second half. Okay. So a surprising review, a positive review from uh, Raymond here for spirited. Oh, we should say you're a big fan of Ryan Reynolds. Yeah. Will Ferrell, but yeah. I haven't uh, loved anything uh, Will Ferrell has done in a very, very long time. And uh, yeah, I'd say this is definitely Will Ferrell's best movie um, in a while. Mm-hmm. All right. Uh, I guess that's it for this episode. Uh, thank you for listening to Inside Flicks. You could go to Inside Flicks. Uh, website at insightflix.com. We could uh, listen to our previous episodes. You could go also check us out on YouTube where we do a box office uh, video report. And that's a weekly thing. Uh, so just go on YouTube and search Insightflix. It should be popping up. Mm-hmm. And uh, yeah, that's it, I guess. And we'll be back. Hopefully, we're going to be back next week trying to get this going weekly again. And uh, probably, probably have Black Panther. We'll talk about Black Panther. Talk about a lot of things. Okay. <laughs> we'll <laughs> see who died. <laughs> no, 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 no. Uh, <laughs> all right. All right. Uh, thank you for listening to Inside Flicks. Okay. All right. Bye-bye.